Kawhi Leonard pulled off a heist of of epic proportions. Kawhi Leonard has has officially become the Don. Kawhi Leonard said, the king who? You understand the king maker? Who that? Do y'all know what I'm about to pull off? And what would you like people to know about you? I'm a fun guy. Uh, obviously, I love the game of basketball. <laughs> <laughs> what it do, baby? Yeah. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Deliberation Sports Podcast. Coming to you guys, wherever you may be, however you may be listening, and we definitely appreciate you for checking us out once again. And we are back in full effect, man. I am Josh Midget, along with the Deliberation Sports crew, Evan DeVold and Justin Bolden. And man, we appreciate y'all for tuning in, checking us out, downloading the podcast. However you're checking us out, we appreciate that oh so very much. And we don't bring y'all the heat on today. So much is happening when it comes to basketball, when it comes to sports, so y'all stick and stay. But Justice Man, before we dive deep in all this, let the people know how they can follow all things Deliberation. They can follow us on Twitter at Deliberation SP1, Instagram, Facebook, Deliberation Sports Podcast. We also have the Facebook group, Deliberation Sports Community. And be sure to subscribe Google Podcast, Spotify, Podcasters. Just about wherever you look for podcasts, you will deliver for podcast. All right, cool, cool. Y'all be sure to check all of that out on the Podbean, on the Spotify, all of that, man. Uh, be sure y'all check us out. So, man, we're just going to get right up into it. The biggest news for the past few days uh, broke. I think it was Saturday morning, 1 o'clock in the morning. Um, Memphis time, that is. The world shook, literally. Um, where justice was, literally. But I don't know if that was because, you know, Kawhi putting pen to paper and everything just, just went crazy. But Kawhi Leonard is now a member of the Los Angeles Clippers, as well as Paul George. Um, which I think that was the biggest shock out of anything that happened um, out of that situation. And so we got another big one-two combination in the Western Conference in the NBA. Kawhi, Paul George, sent shockwaves through the NBA. Uh, man, get your thoughts, man. First, uh, Evan, man, give me your thoughts. Well, when you think about Kawhi Leonard, you just think about one of the top five, if not the best, player in the NBA. Uh, you got a guy who's proven he can go out and win NBA titles. 
without another superstar beside him, and that's very rare in today's NBA. So you put him with the L.A. Clippers, um, with a guy like Paul George, I mean, you're automatically, in a coach like Doc Rivers, you're automatically put into, if not Western Conference Finals contention, NBA Finals contention. Uh, this right here lifts the Clippers back to being prominent on the NBA stage. I like it. Um, I feel sorry for the Laker fans who thought they were going to get them because all these so-called analysts, they basically just pumped the L.A. Laker fans up thinking that Kawhi was going to walk into being a Laker. And they actually still got a pretty good roster. But I think right now the Clippers uh, with Kawhi, with Paul, with Lou, I mean, can, can you not say that that team is favored to win the Western Conference, if not get to the Western Conference Finals? I think that you're going to have an all-L.A. Western Conference Finals. I really do. When you look at the landscape of the West, uh, Golden State is going to be rocking with Steph and Draymond. That, that you've heard talks about them training D'Angelo Russell. I mean, but even if they come into the uh, season with D'Angelo Russell, Clay is going to be hurt. That team is not going to be in the Western Conference Finals. Uh, you look at Utah, they've gotten better, but they're not better than the Clippers and the Lakers. Uh, Portland, they're not better than the Clippers and the Lakers. So I think that it's going to be an all-L.A. showdown. I think it's going to be some rival games between the Lakers and the Clippers. And I think this is basically, it kind of evens up basketball with KD going to Brooklyn. I think we're going to talk about that a little later. But I think we're setting up with Kawhi moves to the Clippers with Paul George. I think we're setting up for a really interesting, fun NBA season. Now, I do want to say this. Oklahoma City, they got five first-round picks. They got Shea Gilders Alexander, and they got Danilo Gallinari. They didn't get no Trump change back in return for Paul George. Now we all know Westbrook is one to head out the door. That's fine and dandy. But what Sam Presti finds himself doing is he's kind of finding himself in the same position that the Mr. Grizzlies are finding themselves in. They're going to have to rebuild after making multiple playoff appearances year after year after year. And you're doing that by getting rid of your big contracts, getting picks in returns, Hopefully you turn your picks into quality selections and try to build that thing again because with Oklahoma City. We'll be right back. Stay tuned for a short commercial break before the next segment of the Deliberation Sports Podcast. Now, Oklahoma City, they didn't get any Trump change in return. They got Shea Gilders Alexander. They got Danilo Gallinari, and they got five first-round draft picks in return for Paul George. So they got a nice haul themselves. And what Sam Presti, the general manager of the Oklahoma City Thunder, find himself, he found himself in a situation just like the Grizzlies. They made the playoffs year after year after year after year, but they lost some guys. Um, unfortunately, he lost Paul George to a bigger market. And now he's going to have to rebuild with assets, as you see the Grizzlies doing. Hopefully he can turn his draft picks into superstars like he did at first with Kevin Durant, with James Harden, with Russell Westbrook. And that's how Oklahoma City really built up into being an NBA Finals runner-up in the Western Conference Finals uh, team also. They, they did it through the draft. And that's kind of what we're hoping to do. We're kind of hoping to piggyback on this same method here in Memphis. So I think it was a good trade for both teams. We know Westbrook now is actually going to be traded or open to being traded. You've heard the Heat. you heard the Timberwolves. 
Uh, you've heard Detroit. So Sam Preston, he's really going to clear this thing out. He watched it get built in Oklahoma City. I think it's on the right. He has the opportunity to tear it down and build it back up. So I think it was a good deal for both teams. But Kawhi and PG to the Clippers, it definitely changed the landscape of the NBA. Man, Justice, how you feeling, man? This landmark move, causing earthquakes and everything. What, what you think? Well, you're definitely right, Josh. I, I, I was I'm not at the epicenter. Uh, that was in uh, Ridgecrest, California, about 150 miles away. But definitely felt, uh, I guess, the second or third of the aftershocks, about 7.1 on the Richter scale. It, it registered, and uh, it definitely hit hard here in California. Around the same time that Kawhi Leonard decided to uh, shock the NBA world and uh, not only signed with the Los Angeles Clippers to bring his uh, boy PG-13, Paul George, who's also a native of California, uh, along for the ride. I think what it did for the NBA was two things. Number one, it balanced it, the, the league out to where now you've got to have two stars to get in and not three superstars, which basically made a super team. And, and uh, we, as we saw with Golden State, teams just could not compete for the most part unless there was injuries. Now what you have is a bunch of teams in the West and teams in the East that have two superstars. When you look at uh, the Denver Nuggets, you know, I think Jamal Murray's knocking on the door being one, and then you got Nikola Jokic. You look at Denver, uh, not Denver, but uh, Utah, and you got Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley, uh, two guys that I think along with that Kansas they brought in, they've had a really strong summer. Of course, uh, we just mentioned the Clippers with Kawhi, PG-13, and, and – uh, Look at some of those other guys they have. Lou Williams, who I think is the best closer in the game. Uh, top six man, multiple award winner. And maybe the arguably the, the best defensive player on the wing in the game in Pat Beverly. And then you got Montrez Harrell to go along with that. Those guys are loaded. We haven't mentioned the Lakers. I mean, they're too deep at every position, even though they're a little old in the tooth in some areas. But, you know, you got elite defenders like Avery Bradley, uh, Danny Green, who just signed a two-year deal, who's expected to start. I'm hearing they're going to play LeBron at the point guard position, which opens up uh, a spot for Kyle Kuzma to play as a small forward. Then you're going to round it out with uh, you got DeMarcus Cousins in there. So, I mean, that, that team is loaded. And so I just think you've got balance all across the board. But as Evan alluded to, the front runners appear to be both in Los Angeles, being the Clippers, and in uh, the Lakers. And then now if you look at, over into the Eastern Conference, the Kyrie has moved on. He's in Brooklyn. But uh, Boston replaced him with Kimber Walker. And so I expect either Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum to, to kind of emerge in Boston. And now you got another team that's going to compete. And then you look at Philly. Ben Simmons is still there, even though Jimmy Butler decided to move on to Miami. And then they got Joel Embiid. So uh, this trade also did a, a second thing, and I think it forced Oklahoma City to do what the Memphis Grizzlies have already done, and that's rebuild. Uh, they were going going all in with Russell Westbrook and Paul George, and to be honest, that wasn't going to win them the title, even before all the, all these this movement. So Paul George, I think, really did Oklahoma City a favor because he's given them a chance to do what Brooklyn did, uh, or, or to do what Boston did in, in that manner, and to bring in a massive haul of picks 
in order to restart the franchise and move on from a guy that wasn't going to give you a title. And now I expect Russell Westbrook to be traded to a team like maybe the Miami Heat. Miami's not like these other teams who have been in the playoffs for consecutive years. They're chomping at the bit to get back to where they were. So I think they're the type of team who's already got Jimmy Butler, an alpha male, that can take in a Russell Westbrook and absorb that $40 million contract and make something happen. But uh, no doubt the Kawhi Leonard move has uh, really showed, I guess, blazed a path for other superstars to keep things quiet. Kawhi didn't put the word out there, and and all of these uh, quote-unquote analysts and experts who said they were 99% sure he was headed to the Lakers or – you know, I, I think uh, there was even ESPN columnists on, on the eve saying, hey, no, he's going back to Toronto. They were all wrong. All along, Steve Ballmer, the guy who, who moved into the Clippers or moved into the Staples Center, and uh, basically now he's sharing the building with the Lakers. And uh, he went and got Jerry West, and, and Jerry West has done it again. He's put together a monster. And uh, I like what the Clippers have done. We got a very competitive NBA and a very competitive Western Conference, and especially the Pacific Division. Yeah, there's so much in that, man. I think, first off, it's a little bit of a, it's almost poetic or, you know, a little bit of irony when you talk about OKC and Memphis rebuilding at the same time, when really both teams, really, if you remember, came up at the same time. You know, they were both entering into that next level at the same time with Brooke and Durant. The Grizzlies, when they had Rudy and OJ and Conley, right before Grit and Grind really got going, you know, they were kind of the two young teams, and now here we go starting over again. It's kind of interesting when it comes to that, number one. And number two, when you talk about Steve Ballmer, Doc Rivers, is it safe to say, to look at what Jerry West has done everywhere he's gone, from Memphis to Golden State being responsible, Clay Thompson and uh, Kevin Durant going there to what he's now done with the Clippers. It, I mean, can you almost say, and then go back to the Lakers drafting Kobe and getting Shaq to come to the Lakers. Like He's responsible for almost every big boom you can think of. Um, greatest general manager in sports history? They don't call him the logo for nothing. It's amazing. It's incredible, man. Evan, what, what do you think? Um, yeah, I'm trying to figure out why the Lakers hadn't made a run to snatch from the Clippers. Exactly. Uh, or, you know, better yet, why, why my Knicks just ain't throwing a ton of money at them? I don't know. It just, if, if he made the Grizzlies and the Clippers relevant, then, yeah, he can he could get a bid for the greatest GM ever yet, most definitely. But uh, you, you also got guys like, you know, Pat Riley, when he ran front office, all he did was win. You know, uh, when he's still doing it, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, he he made the classic move from coming out the front office back to the sideline. Because uh, Stan Van Gundy wasn't getting it done and won that title with those guys with D-Wade and them. So, you know, I mean, Pat Riley will come next to mind uh, off top to me. But uh, definitely Jerry West, He he he's definitely in the runner for one of the best ever, most definitely. So, you look at the league right now, you know, one of the things you hear a lot about is competitive balance, especially not just with the Kawhi move, but with the other big um, shockwaves-inducing move that happened was before this was Kevin Durant 
and Kyrie Irving, uh, both going to Brooklyn. Um, and it's interesting, you, like I, I think I said this before, when you look at both situations, the stepbrother in each city ended up with the better of the the situations, I guess, you know, with the Knicks and the Nets. Uh, you know, the Nets take advantage um, of what the Knicks wanted to get, and the same with the Clippers. It's, it's interesting. It's just a good thing for the league to have all these stars kind of spread out now. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's good for the league, but I, I do want to say, as a Knicks fan, um, we're the dumbest damn organization in NBA history. We really are. Uh, to not even offer Kevin Durant the max, to cancel a meeting with Kawhi. I mean, first of all, why not offer KD the max? And second, why not even just put yourself in the room to give yourself a shot at Kawhi? You say you're going to you you're afraid to take the mean with Kawhi because you're scared you're going to run off other free agents. So you don't take the mean because you're scared to run off Julius Randle. Like you're fucking kidding me. So you know, but to answer your question, I just had to put that in because I think that the Knicks could have landed one of those guys if they just did the normal thing: offer a top five player in the NBA the max contract and take a mean with another top five player. Uh, but it, it is what it is on that. They'll never get it right. I think it is good for the NBA. I don't think it was fun for anybody watching Golden State beat everybody's brains out and hear half the country be bandwagon Golden State fans. I don't think that was any fun. I don't think it was any fun watching Kevin Durant get punked in the Western Conference Finals and go join the guys who was gonna who just smacked them. I, was, I didn't see any fun in that. I didn't see any fun of and I, you can say I'm a fan or whatever, but I didn't see any fun of the best player in the NBA kicking a whole bunch of other superstars' ass, but they're just winning because they got too much firepower. He's sitting here with a half-healthy Kevin Love as his second-best player. Like, that, that wasn't fun. We need parity in the NBA. That's what fans want to see. It, it's no coincidence that when Golden State were on their run, the NBA lost ratings. The NBA lost a lot of ratings. Because they knew that Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and Clay was beatable, but they didn't plan on Kevin Durant pulling the punk move and going to join them. No, I don't want to watch that. So yes, for NBA money, for ratings, yes, it is very good for the NBA that these superstars are spread it out. You know how excited I am to watch the NBA next year. Oh, like man. I could actually, oh, I could actually watch Utah play Golden State next year, and I don't have to think it'll be a thirty-point blowout. Exactly. I can, I can yeah. actually watch that. So it's going to be worth staying up watching games uh, on the West Coast this year. It's going to be worth watching even a – and we're going to throw Golden State out there just because they lost KD. Uh, it's going to be worth watching a up-and-coming team like the New Orleans Pelicans played the Golden State Warriors. Like, those aren't gimmies no more. That's what Kevin Durant did when he left Golden State and went back to and went to the East. I'm sorry, he never was in the East. Went to the East for the first time. It changed the whole trajectory of the league. So – to me, it is the perfect ideal situation for the NBA right now, and it's going to be a lot of competitive, good basketball games. No question. Even with the Lakers and Clippers, man, even though they're great, I mean, you know, any of those teams in the West, those are going to be great matchups, you know, um, just about any of those. So, but Justice, how are you feeling? I agree. I think there's going to be some great matchups. I mean, let's just look at the, the Southwest Division for a minute. I think Dallas, Memphis, and uh, New Orleans, their teams I put in the same category 
in terms of young teams that are on the rise. Now, obviously, New Orleans getting that massive haul from the Lakers may be slightly ahead of, of Dallas and Memphis, but that division I think is going to be pretty competitive, especially if what happens with Houston uh, occurs where I expect them to take a step back. And I wouldn't be surprised if they don't try to unload that Chris Paul contract if they can find a willing taker. I know Oklahoma City won't want it, but I think that's going to be a competitive division. San Antonio, they still have hung on to guys like uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, Rudy Gay. DeJounte Murray comes back from a, a knee injury, so I, he's still young. He's got an opportunity, and, and that organization always manages to find guys uh, that can help them. But I, I still think they have to face some criticism because um, even though they, they landed DeMar DeRozan in that deal, Popovich and the rest of that organization, they more or less trashed Kawhi Leonard on the way out. And then Leonard comes back and not only wins a title without a superstar, uh, but he but he moves on to the Clippers, and, and they're going to have to continue to face Kawhi Leonard. He's going to continue to be a, a thorn in their side. But I like the balance, um, and, and I, I, I want to talk about something that um, is starting to permeate throughout where they, the owners and, and the talk is that the players run the league. I do agree uh, to a certain instance that, that the players do run the league, but also I, I, I wanted to address the part about Paul George being under a five-year contract and after the first year basically asking for a trade and getting his wish. I don't know if he gets that if Oklahoma City isn't in that position where they are where they're not going to win a title. I don't, I don't know if he gets that. And I think the Oklahoma City fans who have been there uh, through the James Harden days, through the Kevin Durant leaving, are probably more equipped to be able to handle uh, this and maybe some other franchises who lose a superstar. But I do expect them to, to bounce back at some point. But certainly there's going to be talk about does this happen to other franchises? What happens down the road if John Morant or Jaron Jackson were to be the type of guys that ask for uh, a trade. But I think it's up to the franchises to put players in a position where they want to be there. If you think about the Grizzlies in their heydays, the players wanted to be there. Zach Randolph, Marcus Gasol, Tony Allen, Mike Conley, you almost had to pry them away from the organization. And, and I, I think that's where teams like New Orleans and, and the smaller markets, Utah, they got to – be sure that they continue to surround their players with talent if they want to retain these stars. But overall, I, I like where things are headed, Josh. Evans, mm-hmm. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, the balance is in, and, and it's going to be some good matchups. Even when you talk about the crosstown matchup in New York with Brooklyn yeah. and uh, and New York, I mean, yeah, the Knicks are bad. I think they made a mistake by getting rid of Porzingis because he was young. But at the same time, you got R.J. Barrett, uh, Mitchell Robinson, we'll see what they can do with that young group. Julius Randle, uh, maybe they come on and they're a little bit better than we think. You know, what if what if Nid- improves? So they they got some things to to look forward to. In, in some cases, if R.J. Barrett can can turn out to be a star, but certainly I, I like the balance of the NBA, and uh, it's going to be some hot tickets this year when when teams like New Orleans come to town. No question, no question, man. That- Evan, I want to get your thoughts on kind of what, uh, because Justice brought up an interesting thing, and I have been hearing a lot of talk about who runs the league right now. Um, And I've talked to some people that that disagree or kind of think the opposite of what you're saying, Justice, as far as who runs the league, whether it's the players or the owners. A lot of people feel like the owners still run things, despite what we're seeing right now. 
Uh, Evan, what, what do you think about that? I mean, I don't think that Paul George getting traded shows that players run the league. I think it's Sam Presti saying, hell, we got a 10-year body of work of your ass shit. You ain't never won them, probably never will. I probably need to get some first-round picks out of you and get rid of you. I think that's probably what it is more than players running the league. I mean, you got two guys who seem like they can't get out of their own way in Westbrook and, and, and Paul George. Uh, but I think it's a player's league. I, I really do. Um, players now have more flexibility than they did um, 15, 20 years ago. I mean, it's a player-friendly league now. And, and, and it also got uh, deal with guys like uh, Chris Paul, who's very, very outspoken, <coughs> excuse me, uh, and defending players like LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, that group. They're very outspoken, and they're fought, they have fallen for rights to – you know, be able to say this is a player league. When you had guys like uh, the Clippers former uh, owner, was it Sterling? Uh, when you had guys like him running NBA franchises, that was never good for the NBA, ever. Uh, now you're getting guys getting their money. You got guys having flexibility. They're they're able to demand trades. And nine times out of ten, I agree with Justice, it's a player's league because nine times out of ten, when a player demands a trade, you usually get it. It wasn't too far-fetched uh, about 10, 15 years ago when Kobe was demanding to trade out of L.A. and they were saying, we ain't trading you nowhere. Uh, that's not happening anymore. Usually, more times than not, when a player requests a trade, no matter if it's Kyrie, no matter if it's a Paul George, no matter if it's an Anthony Davis, within four to five months, that player will be traded. So I got to agree with Justice. It is a player's league now. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely uh, agree with that, no question. And, I think it's a good thing to see. You know, there's nothing wrong with players dictating where they want to go. You know, I mean, that's, that's the way it should be, really, in pro sports. Now, let me ask you all this, because we, we talked about the Clippers and KD and all this stuff. But what, what do you all think about some of the moves, and we kind of alluded to some of that, but some of the moves that the Lakers are making right now? You know, they missed out on some guys that some people felt they would get, like Kyrie, like Kawhi, you know, some other guys. But they're making, to me, you know, I'm curious what you guys think, they're making some sneaky, solid moves, including uh, today. I don't think it's, it's official yet, but Avery Bradley, former Memphis Grizzly, it looks like that's going to go through um, if it hasn't already. But um, start with Evan again. How, how do you feel about that? I think the Lakers are loaded. Uh, I think I sent you guys a – a screenshot earlier of their depth chart, and they're just deep at every single position. Uh, it, it's not even funny, honestly. Uh, and now you talk about putting LeBron James at point. Uh, pro project the starting line of LeBron at the point, Danny Green at the two, Kyle Kuzma at the three, Anthony Davis at the four, DeMarcus Cousins at the five. I mean, the only word that comes up to me is bingo, checkmate. That's it. Give me a starting five that you could just say that you could roll out the ball and say that star five is vastly better than the Lakers star five. Give me one. You're not going to be able to find it. And I think we all saw that DeMarcus Cousins still had a little bit left in the tank in the finals. I mean, there were times in the finals, even though he was getting back from injury, where he'll get the ball in the post, he'll score. He'll step out, he'll hit his three. If that guy rehabs right this summer, and has a good training camp. I'm talking about a damn good training camp. 
I can see DeMarcus Cousins giving you 13 to 14 and I lay rebounds. I don't think that's far-fetched for him anymore. I mean, the guy isn't even 30 yet. So I think that the Lakers are making good moves. You talk about a and, and Ava Bradley. You talk about and a knockdown shooter in Quinn Cook. You talk about and a shooter in Troy Daniels. Uh, they lost me a little bit with Jared Dudley, but hey, you know we're gonna give him a pass on that. You, but you talk about re-signing guys like Rajon Rondo. You talk about re-signing a guy like JaVale McGee, who's a rim protector. Everybody know Rondo's a lockdown defender. Everybody know Avery Bradley's a lockdown defender. So now what you've done is you added specialists along with superstars. And that's kind of what we saw with Kawhi Leonard. They didn't have just other superstars with him. You had specialists like uh, Kyle Lowry. He could score the bucket, but he also going to make the hustle plays. Fran Van Fleet, uh, Danny Green, they were knockdown shooters. Uh, Pascal Siakam, he was a guy who was just going to get to the rim. You got guys around the Lakers now who just going to specialize in what they're doing. So I agree that this team is looking really good to me, man. That's just how I get talking about the old, uh, old Lakers show. Well, I think the Avery Bradley signing was one of the most important because even though at one time Rajon Rondo was an, an, an elite defender. When you look at the, look at it, I mean, he was in his prime a few years ago. Uh, defensively, he wasn't what he was last year. And when you look at LeBron James, if he's going to play the point guard position, I know they're going to do load management, but that's a big load on him. So, of course, Danny Green, Avery Bradley, that gives you two elite defenders that you can kind of rotate in and use because some of those other guys, they've got Quinn Cook, um, Troy Daniels, Jared Dudley, they can't guard a fly. Uh, even DeMarcus Cousins, I think, is going to have trouble guarding some of the bigs that are going to take him out on, on the perimeter and make him move. Um, but overall, I, I, I just like the depth uh, that, that the Lakers have. And anytime you can bring Rajon Rondo off the bench, start him. you got Avery Bradley, Quinn Cook, who's you know played on a, a championship team, you know, KCP, Cortavis Caldwell Pope. Uh, even Caruso, who's a, who's a solid shooter. So they got what you need. And then, I mean, I haven't even mentioned Anthony Davis, who's arguably one of the top ten players in the, in the NBA, and then Kyle Kuzma. So, yeah, th- that team is, is loaded. I mean, they're, they're, they're deep at every position. And if uh, guys stay healthy, which we know that they won't, especially when you look at uh, some of the guys like Cousins and Davis and LeBron, who typically are going to miss 10 to 15 games a year, uh, yeah. whether it be injury or load management, that's why that depth is so important. So, I mean, the Lakers, they're going to be right there. But, you know, there's some other teams in the league that have, have made some some strong moves, and, and we alluded to some of those moves. So I, I think it's going to pay off. I mean, even when you look at the, the Memphis Grizzlies and, and what they've done, um, you know, they, they, they traded away uh, DeLon Wright, but then you come back with uh, Tyus Jones, who I, I was just pointing out a statistic. He led the league in assist-to-turnover ratio last year coming off the bench for the Timberwolves. So, I mean, there's a lot of teams out there that are, that are, that are making sneaky good moves. But, of course, the Lakers, Clippers, uh, they're right at the top in terms of championship contenders in the West, along with Utah. Don't sleep on Utah. Mike Conley, uh, he proved me wrong years ago. I think he's one of the, the top clutch guys in the NBA. And when you put him with Donovan Mitchell and uh, Joe Inglis and, and Bajanovich, I like that group because then you got an elite rim protector in uh, Rudy Gobert. I think that group is going to be good. you got Jeff Green coming off the bench. They're going to be a lot better than what you Man, no, you just didn't say Jeff Green. <laughs> Look, Jeff Green coming off the bench is not bad. As a starter, as a – I mean, Jeff Green is like the seventh or eighth man on that group. 
You know, we saw him. I, I think a few years ago, I, he played with a, with a Cleveland team with LeBron. It wasn't that bad. And once again, he but he's got to be deep on that depth chart. He can't LeBron be one of makes your top everybody seven, good. Sick guy. Yeah, well, everybody but this Lakers group from last year. Man, don't don't disrespect Jeff Green. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I mean, look, look, I, I, I don't love Jeff Green. I don't love Jeff Green. Uh, <laughs> not at all. But if he's your eighth, ninth, tenth man, um, certainly I, I think that's that's not a bad move. And Evan, I was just poking at you, man. That that if LeBron doesn't get hurt, that the Lakers are, are at least at worst in the playoffs. But uh, but you know what? Another, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say another sneaky good signing for Utah is Ed Davis because now you got him, uh, another guy that kind of bingo, uh, 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 junkyard dog type of guy. Royce yep. O'Neal's on that team. Uh, you know, Ra- 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 Raul Neto. That that's their backup. Their top eight is really good. You know, Dante Exum. Uh, I'm so glad he didn't end up on the Grizzlies team. But uh, you know, if you look at their roster right now, even I think Cephalosha is like their fourth string small forward. So it just lets you know what type of depth they got now, and it, it, it's all for now. I mean, they got they got a good three year window with with Conley and Mitchell um, before once Mitchell gets to that round twenty five, once he's playing out his contract, at that point now they can go out. They'll have twenty five thirty million to go spend on another guy just around uh, Mitchell with. So I think Utah they made some smart moves and they got a window where they can compete. I, I yeah, was going to add. I was going to add that Ed Davis signing. You literally took the words right out of my mouth. That's why I said bingo. That right there is another kind of rim protector guy. Uh, along with Rudy Gobert, of course. Uh, I think that is a really good signing for those guys. And that team right now, if I had to guess, and y'all going to laugh at me, uh, just as you might not because you just called them out, uh, I think that's the third best team in the, in, in the West behind the Lakers and the Clippers. I think they'll even be better than Golden State. Wow. Wow. That's big words. But you know what? I don't think it's as crazy as, as it sounds, man. Did, did he say Utah's third best? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. I mean, depending upon what Portland finishes up with, I mean, of, of course, when you got McCollum and you got Lillard, you can compete. And, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, they drilled Utah last year, didn't they? Or Or – who 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 was it that that beat Utah real good in the playoffs? Was it them or Houston? Uh, I think it was Houston. I may be remembering wrong because I know Houston always plays Utah, so I don't know. But that'll be interesting. I do agree that when y'all brought up Ed Davis, man, I always felt like Ed Davis He's been underrated his whole career. You know, it's just a solid role guy, rim protector. Even when he was with the Grizzlies, man, I think he. He just has that that impact with that type but, of guy that he plays. Mm-hmm. And and like I said, I I didn't talk too much about Portland, but they had some sneaky good moves. You look at it; uh, they added Hassan Whiteside. Uh, yep. Zach Collins is going to move into that power forward role. He's going to be a major major upgrade of Myers Leonard and all those other guys they had. And then they got Kent Bazemore at the three, who's a defensive minded uh, lefty. So now Rodney Hood comes off the bench along with Mario Hazonia. Uh, used to nurture it. Hopefully he'll be able to come back from his injury. But last season, though they had cancer, they were really missing a defensive presence. Whiteside brings that, and he also brings rebounding. So they actually could improve improve uh, quite a bit. And then the X factor or the wild card for the Portland Trailblazers 
is going to be Nazir Little. If Little can somehow develop a consistent jump shot with his long arms and athleticism, he could be their long-term answer at the small forward next to McCollum and Little. I'm going to tell you, man, you brought up a great point. Portland's been missing wings for a while. You know, they've had McCollum and Lillard, but they just haven't had a consistent wing threat. You know, they thought Rodney Hood could be that guy. He's not bad. But now, like you said, Hazonia at Rodney Hood and hopefully Nazir Little, you know, they look like they could be filling in that gap there. And don't forget about Nurkic. I don't know what's going to happen when he comes back because he was playing at a great level as well. Uh, so that's going to be interesting to see as well. But we'll yeah, look. In fact, Hazonia finished up the season with uh, Orlando. He finished it up pretty strong. I think he had a 30-point game against the Wizards, uh, had a 29-point game against uh, – so he, he he finished up strong, man. I, I, you know, he, matter of fact, he was with the Knicks. He's best known for dunking on LeBron, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Caught, him, caught, him, caught him slipping. I mean, just to tell you the type of athleticism he has, they, they, they're not going to be bad. I think they'll be better. Because um, now uh, Al Farouk Amino has moved on, and I know I know everybody they let Arizona uh, go. You know what I'm saying? Uh, what y'all got? The auto power forwards coming up now. But, but I'm gonna ask you, e, now who, who do you feel is uh, is a sleeper with some of these moves or some sleeper moves that you see? I think you look no further down to uh, the Indiana Pacers. Um, yeah, they lost some key players. I think Justice Bogdanovich, uh, they they lost him. He's at Utah, correct? Yeah, that is correct. Okay. Yep. But, you know, I think Kevin Pritchard, he, he did a little patchwork. Uh, you get a new acquisition who was already on the team but couldn't play because of the injury, uh, starting up with this new core of Victor Oladipo. I think him being back is just going to take this team to another level. But you add a guy like Jeremy Lamb, who I think can – he still has a little bit left in him where he can just launch to that next level. You added a T.J. Warren, who averaged about 18 last year. You added a Malcolm Brogdon, a former rookie of the year. I think they made some sneaky, good, legit moves over there in Indiana where they're still going to be kind of those team, one of those teams in the East that's competing in the playoffs year after year. I think Kevin Pritchard, the general manager, he stabilized that franchise with some of his offseason acquisitions. And they lost longtime Miffy, uh, NBA vet and Miffy and Daddy is John, uh, who got paid by the Chicago Bulls. So I think he did a good job. I actually like what the Pacers did this offseason, man. I, I think they're still going to be someone to reckon with in the Eastern Conference. And, and they got that modern-day stretch five in Miles Turner. I mean, he, he shoots the ball from outside. He'll dunk on you, but he led the league in shot blocking. So DeMontis Sabonis is going to play next to him, and he'll be the guy that more or less – plays around that paint area. Uh, Aaron Holiday, I think he really needs to take those minutes yeah. to Corey Joseph because he gives I, you a guy that can play both sides of the ball. Yeah, I really like Aaron Holiday. I think he could end up being that starting point guard, to be honest with you. Uh, and I know they went and picked up T.J. McConnell uh, as well. He's a good bet to have on your team. So. That, he's on the yeah, he's on the roster. I'm looking at it right now. I, I didn't know he was there. Okay. Uh but yeah, he's uh he's on the roster. They, they're gonna get that ball to Malcolm Brogdon. I mean, him and, and he he put some size in that backcourt, and like you said, Lamb. Uh, so they they definitely got some length. I mean, they go seven foot across the front line, and then uh, Lamb is is long, and then Brogdon's probably 
one of the bigger point guards in the game. So Oladipo, if he can come back healthy, then I, I, I think they're going to be pretty strong, and, and they, they could overtake Philly. Those were some sneaky good moves by by, now, by now, now, You know what? I almost forgot. Philadelphia brought in a guy I felt like they really needed on the wing. I think he's an upgrade of J.J. Reddick because he plays both sides of the ball, and that's Josh Richardson. Uh, he yep. was Miami's best player over the last couple of years, and uh, he he brings some shooting to a team that desperately needs it, but also on the defensive side of the ball, he gives you somebody. And, in, in of course, uh, you know, they, they overpaid for Tobias Harris, and then you bring in Al Horford. So they've got shooting. They've got size. They've got defense. Um, and then, you know, we'll see if, if Zaire Smith and some of those other guys, I think their biggest issue is their bench. I'm, I'm not sure who they got that, coming that, off the that, bench. Their biggest issue is their coaching. Mm. <laughs> well, that too. That too. <laughs> Old Brett Brown. You know, just keep hanging on. You know, uh, mainly because of the talented roster they got. But I'm looking at Josh Richardson, which is good, but I mean, they don't have any guards. I mean, they really just don't have – I mean, what, Tim Simmons, you know. Uh, I'm looking at their roster, uh, Raul Nato, Jaden St. Dennis. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Furkan Korkmaz. Oh, yeah, he was a a draft pick from a a few years ago. (laughs) I knew knew Justin would know. Yeah, you know them – you know all the foreigners, his people, man. You know them. Yeah, <laughs> know all these folks. Yeah, I'm the modern day Fran Priscilla. That's it. <laughs> you know they got a dude named Mario Shayoff. You know I don't know who the hell is who, who the hell is Jonah Bolden? Them your kid, <laughs> man. Yeah, no, just, we we we're not related, but you remember he played for Duke. He did. Yeah, he played for Duke back a few years ago. I'm a Duke fan. I'm almost embarrassed to say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I want to say he was a, he was one of those one and done, two and out guys. No, nah, he uh, ain't played for no Duke. I knew I didn't know no damn dude named Jonah played for Duke. He he, he played play? for UCLA. Jonah Bolden. Okay, all right. I don't know why I thought he played with uh. Oh, he did go to Duke. He got a guy named Bolden, I thought. But uh, oh, Marquez Bolden. Bolden. I'm thinking of Mar- I'm thinking of Marquez Bolden. Mar- Marquez, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jonah Bolden. Okay, okay. Yeah, that yeah. may be my long, long lost kinfolk. <laughs> he, he reminds me of uh. He went to the what, same high school that produced uh Will Barton, Brewster Academy. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. I don't know. He reminds me of one of those sorry uh big from college like Daniel Orton. You know what I'm saying? Come in and not do nothing uh, in the NBA. <laughs> and I know, I know we're gonna get to uh, the Grizzlies, but one of the teams that also had a really, really strong off season in the draft. Uh, they're not going to get a lot of hype, but that's going to be the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, if those guys can pan out, and, and we're talking about Cam Reddish and, and DeAndre Hunter, uh, to what they already had with John Collins and Trey Young, uh, that that is a, a very deep team. I like it. Should be the steal of the draft. I know that's your boy. That's your boy, no doubt. But I'm gonna and, tell and you. They, they brought in Evan Turner also. Yeah. I mean, they just you know. They brought- they brought in Chandler Parsons too. Oh yeah. Well, he'll, I mean, he'll probably make he'll probably make shots now. You know he'll get out he'll get down to Atlanta and probably make some shots. Man, I'll go throw a beer ball to him, man. If he go out there killing, I promise I will. Look, Chandler gonna be down there taking shots. 
I ain't talking about on the court. You know. <laughs> well, they they just they also just traded Amari Spellman, uh, who was a draft pick last year for Damian Jones, uh, uh, a future second round pick. So that that deal went down. And Jabari Parker signed with the Hawks earlier today, two years, thirteen million dollar deal. Oh wow! I did not know that. Interesting. It's gonna be interesting. You know that so, was a guy. That, that was a guy who I mentioned uh, before we got Josh Jackson. I thought the Grizzlies should look at. I figured you can get him for the cheap. Yeah. And I still think I still think there's some upside there. Um, that, that would have been the guy I, I, I would have liked to take a look at. I, I think that's a good pickup. Yeah. yeah, and then also they 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 drafted the first ever Angolan to enter the NBA, and that's Bruno Fernando, who played uh, at Maryland. Uh, he's a he's a rebounding shot blocking guy. I think he's gonna bring in some toughness to that organization. Uh, Atlanta they made out well in that in that draft. Yeah, I see they got a guy named Charlie Brown. On. <laughs> but yeah, uh, you, would, you would find that name, <laughs> of course. But okay, so getting to the Grizz here, man, because I'm hyped, I'm excited. Uh, you know, I think everybody's excited. You know, I see. Uh, you know, Dan Wilkin talking about, you know, Darren and Jai eating chicken strips and, you know what I'm saying, and, and cheese fries and all this stuff. But everybody else is reasonably excited for what the Grizz got going on. How excited should Grizzly fans feel? And what do you think we should expect getting into this season? Start with Evan. You're speaking on how should we feel about all the off-season accusations and and yeah. – and, I think that you should love our new front office. I really do. I think that they have done a magnificent job. I don't even give them a good job. I think they've done a magnificent job. I would have gave them an A-plus just for unloaned Chandler Parsons' contract. Uh, but the fact that they drafted a potential superstar in John Morant, didn't leave a, a question mark about it, you did it with you know the sense that, hey, this is our guy, we're going to go get him. That right there was a win for me. Then you go get a steal in Brandon Clark. I mean, did you see him last night in summer league? I mean, Man. the kid. Go he ahead, Josh. He looks amazing. Yeah. He's a freak. And me and Justice had the conversation a couple of hours ago. Could you see him as a three, as a four? Man, I see him as a ball player. You know, that, that guy ain't got no position. I mean, he's going to be able to guard multiple positions. And he's going to be metro problems on the, on the offensive end. That guy is a freak. So you did great I'm, with the draft. I'm going to tell you something, and not to interrupt, but I'll tell you something, I think Justin's in text, this in the, in, the, in the text. Great comparison to me, Sean Mary, with a better jump shot. You know, uh, Brandon Clark, I think that's a good comparison. Kind of Aaron Holiday. Uh, well, not Holiday, but uh, – but you know Aaron Gordon uh, comparison as well. I look at him. Okay, uh, but I also want to say this: when you pick up a guy like Josh Jackson, who has tremendous upside, tremendous upside. I mean, I I get a feeling that that kid gonna turn around here in Memphis. I mean, he's a double figure, uh, a nice score his first two years in the NBA. I really got a feeling that. Hopefully, it could kind of be like a Zach Randolph story where didn't nobody want him on the team no more. The team that he was with, they quit on him. And you come here and just kind of 
make way and, and, and have a good NBA career. I really hope that's what happens for that kid because he has a lot of potential. Look at the first-round assets they got. This front office has been killing it. Then you bring in big contracts like a Andre Iguodala, which you're going to get rid of. You bring in a um, Kyle Corver, which you've already gotten rid of. You're bringing in a um, the guy who we just traded to get a to get um, yeah yeah Dwight Howard. I'm sorry, get got rid of him. So you're bringing in all these guys. You're sharing that contract and you're getting assets in return, which is second round draft pick, first round draft pick. I, I really want to know, hell. If these guys have been a part of the front office the whole time, were they just letting Chris Wallace mess up just to take his spot to begin with? Because they're doing it too easy. They're doing it too easy, and it all makes sense. I think that the Memphis Grizzlies fans should just sit back and let these guys go to work. I've heard uh, a lot of people say the Grizzlies are still far off from a playoff team. I don't buy that. I don't buy that at all. I think this team is one good, solid piece away from being able to compete. Let your rookies take their bumps this year. Let your rookies take their bumps this year. Let John Morant go out there and get killed by Westbrook. Let them get killed by Steph Curry. Let them learn through trial and error. That's the only way you're going to get better at this game. Get your ass kicked. Let them take their bumps this year. Then next year, you add another piece with them. Hopefully, it's a good draft pick, but I have my doubts because I think that uh, that pick now move conveys that top six pick now. And I think it's going to be hard to get a top five pick again in this year's draft. So, Hopefully you kind of add some in the offseason, whether it's through signing trade or free agency. But I don't think we're that far away from being a playoff team, man. I think this front office has done a magnificent job, and I think the Grizzly fan has a lot to look forward to. No question. Justice, what you got? Well, I think Evan brings up some good points. But let's remember, uh, the Grizzlies, and, and uh, you know, they finished <laughs> in a position where they should have had a, the 11th or 12th pick in the draft, and they somehow – ended up in that, that number two slot, along with New Orleans, who ended up number one. The greatest New Orleans, and I believe Dallas had identical records. Dallas ends up picking late in the lottery, and the Grizzlies and New Orleans moves up. If the Grizzlies can finish around that range again, if they can land exactly where they are, now do you have an opportunity to take a James Wiseman, a Scotty Lewis, a Anthony Edwards, uh I mean, there's an Isaiah Stewart, who's just a monster uh, at, at Washington, a Jaden McGain. This draft is loaded with potential guys who could be stars down the road. I would love to see the Grizzlies hit one more lottery. But if not, I think they've made enough deals to where Josh Jackson could develop into, if not a star, a really good third player at 6'8", who, let's face it, four years ago, he was the number one player in the country. Uh, coming out of high school, um, you know, one and done in Kansas. Obviously, he didn't have a great, great start to his career in Phoenix, but he's shown some promise. And and you look at John Morant, you look at Jaron Jackson Jr., who I think is just going to be phenomenal, who can pretty much guard the two through the five. We talk about Brandon Clark, who's an absolute freak. The only reason Clark didn't go in the high lottery is because when they measured him, they found out, oh, he's a six eight guy with a 6'8 wingspan, a 6'9 wingspan. He doesn't have a 7-foot wingspan, so they dropped him. But any other metric, Brandon Clark was a top-10 pick. And so you get him, he gets a chance to come off the bench. I think uh, the Tyus Jones move, we talked about it earlier, 
that's a solid move. You know, I, I was a fan of keeping DeLon right, but when you look at it, Tyus Jones is, is younger. Uh, he led the league in assist turnover ratio last season. Um, he's only been in the league four years, but he's still a veteran per se. So he brings in that Duke pedigree. Uh, he's been coached well. And he's going to be a, a guy that can somewhat mentor John Morant, who in himself is, is an exceptional passer. So when you look at some of the moves they've made, whether they're going to keep Jay Crowder around, who's a, who's a veteran, um, they just traded C.J. Miles to Dwight Howard, who it appears they're going to waive. But when you talk about from an asset standpoint, uh, compiling draft picks, first-round picks, second-round picks, uh, players with with expiring contracts like Solomon Hill and uh, Miles Plumley, who would unload it for Chandler Parsons, the Grizzlies front office has done an exceptional job. job. I think this is probably their best offseason ever, unless you go back to the day when they made that trade for Zach Randolph. And, and I think they sent away Quentin Richardson and, and, and some some cash. But other than that, this has been by far the strongest draft, free agency, and they set themselves up for financial flexibility where I think down the road there's going to be a major trade that the Grizzlies are going to be involved in. Evan continues to bring up the name Andrew Wiggins in terms of a guy he would love for the Grizzlies to absorb. And I'm not going to say I'm against it. I know his his contract, you know, there, there's some numbers there, but at the end of the day, right now, the Grizzlies only have one max guy. Uh, in fact, you know what? I'm wrong. They don't have a max guy. We don't have a max guy. He gone. Don't, don't, yeah, Jonas Valanciunas is now the, the highest paid player on that team at $15 million once that Iguodala contract is, is no longer there. And and let's talk about the Iguodala deal. The Grizzlies absorb him um, because of that Mike Conley trade. So you have to add Iggy in that trade. So you get Grayson Allen back, who – Looking in summer league, he doesn't look like a project to be a big-time shooter, but he is a gritty guy that likes to get to the basket and, and can score. Uh, so that that's overall A-plus for the Grizzlies. I think they're ready to move forward. Hey, I want, nope. I want to say something about Josh Jackson. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy played only about 25 minutes per game in his first two seasons, but he averaged 13 in his first and 11 in the second. Consistently averaged about four rebounds a game, and the kid played 77 games his first year and 79 in his second year. I mean, you could call him a bonehead all you want to, but you give that kid 30 minutes a game, it looks like he's going to give you 15 to 16 points, and he ain't missing no games during the regular season. I can't help but think, will we give up Javon Carter? I can't help but think – I don't know how they got this deal. I don't know what things were thinking, but I can't help but think that that was just a solid move. And I, I know I'm bringing this out of nowhere, but I'm just kind of pulling up the guys that we that we got, man, and I agree with Justice. I think it's a big-time trade on the horizon. I really do, whether it's this year or next year. I would love to see Andrew Wiggins in a Memphis uniform. I know I'm probably the only one, and that's fine. It won't be the first or the last time. But I just imagine – having John Morant pushing the ball. You got Josh Jackson on one wing. You got Andrew Wiggins on the other. And you got Jaron Jackson trailing. Those are a lot of athletes on a fast break, man. And when you put in the players that we've had in the past, we haven't had athletes like this on our team since, what, Stromile Swift, Rudy Gay? We've yep. had a lot of under-the-rim guys like Marcus Saul and Zach Randolph, and they were very productive. Very productive. But Mike Cully was an under-the-rim guy. We are going to bring some excitement and hype back in the form. So, I'm, you know, I'm over the 80 points, 78 points a night games. 
Let's, let's get this thing up in the one tens, man. I'm I'm excited about this youth and athleticism we're bringing to Memphis. I agree a thousand percent. I'm gonna tell you the last thing on that. You know when when Justice brought up about the last great off season the Grizzlies had. Even then, I don't think we felt that comfortable with it because at that time we just felt it was luck. You know, even then everybody thought it was terrible when he got Jack Randolph. But it turned it was the luckiest move in the history of the team. But now you have a front office that you can tell they think things through. They have a plan. They execute that plan with precision and an intellect. And I think that's a huge difference from what we've had in the past. Huge difference. Not just flying by the seat of your pants. No question about it. But, guys, man, I think that's going to do it for us today. Another great edition of the Deliberation Sports Podcast. I just appreciate y'all for checking us out. As always, continue to follow us and subscribe. And just to let the people know how they can do that before we hop on out here. They can follow us on Twitter at Deliberation SP1, Facebook and Instagram, Deliberation Sports Podcast. We also have the Facebook group, Deliberation Sports Community. And to subscribe, they can do so via Anchor Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, wherever Deliberation Sports Podcast is disseminated, you'll be sure to find us. Also, if I failed to mention, there's the Apple Podcast. But once again, look for the Deliberation Sports Podcast. That's it. That's it, man. We here. We here. We in the building talking all things sports, man. So, man, we appreciate y'all checking us out once again. Of course, I am Josh Midget, along with the Deliberation Sports crew, Evan DeVoe and Justin Bowden, and we will talk to you guys next time. All right, all right, all right.